Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. ESPN Radio. Hope you're having a great Monday. Thanks so much for hanging out, spending some time with us here on ESPN Radio. I'm Coulter Nuanez. This is Nuanez Now. We do this every single weekday between 4 and 6 p.m. on ESPN Radio, 102.9 FM around Western Montana, as well as on SWX Montana Television and on the ESPN MT app. If you miss anything in the show ever, if you miss anything in today's first hour, you can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast, which is probably presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store, and the Montana State Bookstore. Footy 15 coming up. Footy 15 presented a couple times a month by Flanagan Motors. Appreciate Flanagan Motors for their continued support and involvement with us uh, here at ESPN Radio, especially when it comes to uh, commentating and analyzing all things soccer. The Footy 15, each and every uh, excerpt is from the Soccer in Snow and Smoke podcast. Soccer in Snow and Smoke, presented by Blackfoot Communications, as well as Zoo Town Sports Cards. I got a couple packs of cards here, so maybe we'll do one on the front end and one on the back end. Um, our our footy 15 this week, by the way, Betsy Dirksen, who was the, uh, the first ever head coach at the University of Montana for women's soccer, a pioneer, certainly, somebody that set the foundation for soccer at UM, in Montana, and largely in the Big Sky Conference as well. So we'll uh, we'll come uh, back to that here in just a quick minute. But I got this burning a hole in my pocket. So these are Panini Selects. You can get them down there at Zootown Sports Cards in the, uh, the Stevens Center there. Um, it's a great space that they got there. Really fun place to go hang out. So uh, and, and the soccer cards have, have become... All the range. I mean, if you're doing this for educational reasons, for you or your kids, that's great. You can learn a lot about soccer by collecting these cards. If you're doing it for the, the, the monetary reward of this, it's also great because there's an international market for these soccer cards. That's why they've become so popular because, you know, while professional soccer might be sort of outside the hierarchy in America, it is certainly not even – it is the number one sport in the world for sure. And, like, the EPL, the European Premier League, is definitely – the top level of soccer. So uh, here's what I got, Andrew. You can tell me if I got anything good. 
I got Dean Henderson of the Nottingham Forest FC. I got Tyreek Mitchell of Crystal Palace. I got Luis Sinistera, Sinistera of Leeds United. I got uh, Jared Bowen of West Ham United. And then, ooh, I got a little uh, select futures. Julio and CISO, I believe is his name. Brighton and Hub Albion. It's like a rookie card, I think. Oh, that was nice and shiny. Yeah, yeah. That, that's cool. Uh, yeah, none of those guys are gonna gonna move the needle okay. all that much. All right, all right, that's fine. It's still fun opening the pack. So go check out uh, down at Zootown Sports Cards, and uh, they got everything: baseball, football, basketball. The, these new jersey boxes they've been doling out; those are super fun as well. So thanks to Zootown for all their support of all the different things that we got uh, going on here at ESPN Radio. Andrew, I know we teased this a little bit last week, but now, set this up for us uh, again. Grizz soccer certainly, um, I think, safe to say, a staple in, in the Missoula community. It's certainly a popular sport. They 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 draw fans down there uh, for the Grizz. It's been a great opportunity, I think, for for uh, soccer to grow, uh, starting with sort of that that seed that is the college programs. But so I I would say this uh, unequivocally. Girls soccer at the high school level has grown as exponentially as any sport over the last 30 to 35 years. I think that high school soccer has been offered since 91 in Montana. So, you know, a little over 30 years. Uh, It's grown to immense heights now, though, and it is certainly drawing some of the best athletes in Montana to it. We talked about Olivia Collins of Gallatin uh, High School earlier in the show. She's, She's certainly one of the great uh, female athletes in the state of Montana right now. Uh, she she was in the news this weekend because of her exploits on the track, but she's also the Montana Gatorade Player of the Year. But that's just one of of several examples, and there's all sorts of great athletes that are playing soccer uh, of the female variety here in, in the state of Montana. But uh, Betsy Dirksen certainly has at least a hand in that. So just set this thing up for us. Uh, first career soccer coach ever. Yeah, the hook here is that she was recently announced as part of this year's class as the Grizzly Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, so I figured what a great time to talk to Betsy Dirksen for the first time on soccer and snow and smoke. It's a really great story, Coulter. She was an All-American player in the 1980s at Boston College. She was still really young. She was in her mid-20s when she got the Montana job. Uh, she had been the head coach at Seattle University for a couple of years, but she, she thought that she was getting out of it and she was moving to Montana uh, to sort of pursue her husband's job. And it turned out that that was the year that the University of Montana started their varsity women's soccer program. Uh, so she ended up getting that job in 1994, staying with the Grizz for 10 years. And, and the Big Sky Conference didn't start women's soccer until 1997. So they'd already had a couple years under their belts. And when the Big Sky Conference started in 1997... That was really the top team of those first four or five years in the Big Sky Conference. Um, What we're listening to here is a little bit, again, you can listen to the whole thing. There's 40 minutes. I love talking with Betsy. She's so enthusiastic, willing to share stories, uh, so insightful about what it was like back then uh, playing, and and then also when she turned into being a coach, putting a team together. Uh, So go and listen to that. Just search Soccer and Snow and Smoke on whatever your podcast platform is. But what we're listening to today is just uh, about that that first year at Montana, what the community was like, what it was like recruiting players to a completely new program, and then a little bit about some of the players uh, that they had some of that early success with. Here it is, 2015, presented by Flanagan Motors, Betsy Bergskin, excuse me, uh, upcoming inductee into the University of Montana Athletic Hall of Fame, and uh, this week's guest on Soccer in Snow and Smoke. 
We talked a little bit about what it was like building that first team and, and selling a team that had been built up out of nothing. Once you got that all handled and taken care of, what was that first season like? Maybe what even was that first game like? But what was that whole entire season like? The first season was tough because we were playing at Fort Missoula. Like, we didn't have the new stadium at South Campus yet. Um, And I think that was our only below 500 season. I think we ended up 7-8 and in the fall of 1994, which for a brand-new program that had some club soccer players on it was pretty good. But I still don't like it that we didn't. (laughs) There was that one not winning season, right? Um, But it was tough because we weren't, we didn't have our own stadium it was the next season where we had had a little bit more time to grow and we had our own stadium and the, we had these super fans that were basically all these young men from the college that were friends with my players that started to make the game sort of fun and rowdy that we started to build our identity. So the, I thought the first year was a little bit tough just because we had the bus over to Fort Missoula and we only had one recruiting class in yet, you know, and our record was seven and eight, and we were just a little bit removed, too removed from the campus. Yeah, I mean it was fine. It just the other years were way more fun. <laughs> Did you have a tough time with the history of it too? Like this is the first time all of this is happening in the program's history. This is the first game. This is the first goal. This is the first win. First shutout. You know. But I, you know, I think we looked at that as a positive. You can choose as your glass half empty or is your glass half full or is your glass overflowing like that you know all of these firsts we just looked at that as like exciting and something to um attract people not you know we were we were super excited about it that wasn't hard that part was good that helped us i think being brand new and then as you start building the program just take me back to those years what it was like uh, coaching again this was still you know soccer was starting to grow in the United States but still had not reached the heights that it had today what were those years like as you started to build the team and of course you guys started to have success after that first year really early it, you know it was fun if i look back on those years i just think like what a joy it was to, you know, we got to travel around all over the West region of the United States representing the University of Montana. And I had all these just like bright, young, happy, healthy, motivated, funny young women that I got to mentor. And um, we, were, we were having some success. So the team just had a lot of positive energy. And then, like I said, like the town of Missoula supported us well, so it felt just we had momentum. Yeah, momentum might be a good word to explain it, or positive energy. But it just a lot of the young women were just so fresh and alive and fun. Like I just I remember like being on uh, airplanes traveling with the team, and we had this uh, Maggie Carey was just so funny, and she would entertain us like she'd stand up with the flight attendants and she'd do like the flight attendant uh what 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 would you call what they say at the beginning of a flight and sometimes the flight attendants would like let her join in with them because she was doing it so perfectly like we just had a lot of laughter together did you have to sell the program at all to the people of missoula or was the fan base there right away i didn't feel like i had to sell the program um 
it seemed to just grow organically that people started coming like those crisp fall Friday afternoons and you'd see moms, you know, going down South, South Avenue, pushing their strollers and coming into the games and sitting on the grass. And like I said, there was these super fans, these young men that were my players, friends that were rowdy. And then you had some of the, just the soccer hardcore people like Gary Stein and uh, Jeff Birnbaum, you know, like that, like Missoula is a soccer town. So you had all of the people that play the co-ed adult soccer in Missoula. Like it, it was a diverse group of people that would come to the games, but it seemed like we, once we had our own stadium that was closer to downtown Missoula, it seemed like we grew our fan base pretty easily. I just, I remember having like, 500 rowdy people there on Friday afternoons. And that was really fun. And my players would do like these post goal celebrations that would really like make everyone laugh and get excited. And yeah. So, I mean, I know Grizz basketball, the lady Grizz basketball had bigger crowds than that, but for women's soccer back in the day, that was, those were good sized crowds that we would sometimes be able to draw. And I didn't have to work for it. I know that I did those Grizz Tuesday luncheons for the university and, that was always a lot of fun too. The public would come listen to us coaches speak and I'd always have to follow or no, I was before Don Reed, the, the football coach. Right. Um, so there'd be a lot of people there to hear about football, but then I'd talk and it, I think it helped them get interested about women's soccer as well. I mean, the university did a good job promoting us. I'd say. Betsy Dirksen, who was the first head coach in Montana Grizzlies soccer history, a program that's proven to be one of the most successful at the university of Montana. Certainly Betsy Dirksen started that tradition of success at the University of Montana. It's continued on. Who else do you remember from those those first years? I know Karen Hardy was one of the first really great players in Big Sky Conference soccer history, but who else do you remember from those first years? Well, so, uh, well, so I, I do think Karen Hardy and Courtney Matheson, maybe both, we would have to check this, but I think the two of them still lead um, – the program in uh, points, like goals and assist points. I think they're still the top two leading scorers in the team history after 25 years. So, yeah, you have to um, mention those two. And then Lisa Oyen was a great leader of our defense and a captain. And then after that, we had that incredible duo. Um, Karen Hardy played with Sarah Overgag, and those two played so well together. Natalie Hiller was probably one of the best um, goalkeepers we ever had in that 2000 team where we won a game in the national tournament. Natalie was the starting goalkeeper. She's a Missoula native, and um, she was the goalkeeper that helped us win that game along with Shannon Forslund. Shannon Forslund was probably the best all-around soccer player ever at the University of Montana under my tenure. She's the one who scored the goal against Washington State in that game in the snow to help us win a game in the national tournament and advance to the second round. Shannon was just always so humble and so hardworking, really like a special person, like the ideal athlete who had no ego in it for herself. She was a true team player. I would put her up there on my list of like all-time favorite people to have on your team. Maggie Carey brought such a great sense of humor and laughter to the team, Margot Tuss, Michelle, Michelle Bedilla was from Whitefish, and 
when I first saw that girl jump, I was just like, oh my gosh, she just jumped like three feet in the air. Just a great athlete, but also a great leader. Like for a coach to have great leaders, and I'm thinking of like Michelle, I'm thinking of Natalie Hiller, I'm thinking of Shannon Forsland. Like there's some leaders that, Lisa Oyen too, that just help you so much to grow a young program. So those are some of the names that I remember. Were you able to keep recruiting across the entire Pacific Northwest? I mean, going into Washington, going into Oregon, were you able to keep selling the same things as, as the program grew to, to players that you wanted to bring in? Well, it did. I think it hurt our recruiting when um, Leslie Gallimore then became the head coach at University of Washington. And I forget what year she started there, but she was a great coach and um a difficult opponent to recruit against because she, when she came in at UW, she started scooping up some of the players that we had been able to get. So we did develop some competition when she took over at UW. Um, but then we had to expand into California when, when that occurred. But we still predominantly just stayed West Coast. How much did you see in those years Soccer changed. You must have been tuned into it because you were recruiting all of these girls coming out of high school. And throughout those years, that's sort of the, the time period that soccer exploded in the United States. What did, what did you see as somebody who was recruiting all of that? Right, yeah. You know, um, one thing that I did was I got involved with the Olympic Development Program and became like the U-17 assistant coach um, for the ODP program to try to help us... Um, tap into that next higher level of player. And yeah, I mean, I remember there were some kids that I tried to recruit, like for example, Justy Baumgart, when I first saw her play, I was just amazed at what, you know, how good she was. And she ended up going to the University of Portland, but just like, the, you're right, the level of player during my time of coaching collegiately really got better and got better and got better, but it's still doing that. Like even the kids that I'm coaching at patio doors right now, like what some of these 10 year olds can do. And they're, you know, they're exposed to playing like now indoor and futsal and street soccer. Like their skillfulness is just becoming even better than what, you know, like take a great U S national team player right now, take a Sam Mewis. Like, I'm wondering, you know, some of the 10-year-olds now are ahead of what Sam Mewis was when she was 10-year-old. Like, it, it continues to improve. Just women's sports as a whole continue to improve. There's better coaching. There's better facilities. There's more opportunities. So it's really been fun to be a part of just that whole progress for female athletes. It is one of the, the pivotal sort of stories in sports, especially at the high school and college levels over the last 50 years. Since the the uh, implementation of Title IX, the opportunities have continued to grow. The quality of the sport has continued to grow. And, uh, you know, I mean, we, we've seen some tipping points in a variety of, of different collegiate sports for sure. And uh, you can't have tipping points without pioneers. So, uh, great job by Andrew for getting Bexy Dirksen on the uh, soccer in snow and smoke, the original University of Montana women's soccer coach, and certainly someone that had a, a profound amount of influence around uh, the state of Montana in, in the football world. That is our footy 15.
presented uh, by Flanagan Motors. Flanagan Motors, locally owned and operated for more than 50 years and proud supporters of soccer in the Missoula community for more than five decades. We appreciate them for helping uh, provide you. A couple times a month, we play excerpts from that great podcast. So go check out Soccer in Snow and Smoke, available on all of your podcast hosting platforms. It is uh, a great podcast, and I'm happy Andrew's uh, been spearheading it and, and taking that full on because he's doing a great job. And that was a great interview. If you want to hear the whole thing, Betsy Dirksen, the latest guest on Soccer in Snow and Smoke, it's available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. Andrew, just going through that and and uh, you know, initially interviewing her, but also listening to it back and stuff too. What to you is the craziest thing that's changed about? Grizz soccer, like where, where have they made the most progress, or what is like the biggest difference from you know when Betsy Dirksen was doing that some thirty years ago to to where Grizz soccer is at now? That's a great question. I think you know we're seeing it become a little bit more national, just because that's the way that everything is going. And what she's talking about, she's able to go into Washington and Oregon and and recruit some players who in later years would have gone to Washington or Oregon or Oregon State or, or Washington State. Yeah. That bit is different, but now, you know, the Grizz are able to go into Canada and get players. The Grizz are able to go into the Midwest yeah. and get players. Um, this is something I th- thought was sort of, uh, I- ironic's the wrong word. It, it, there's two sides of the coin, right? The 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 The... The talent that is a way above your level of talent that you get because they only slip through one crack, that hardly happens in college sports anymore. Like the guy, like I, I think I, I'm thinking of Roger Cooper, for example. He's a safeties coach, or I guess now a linebackers coach at the University of Montana. But Cooper was getting recruited by the Washington Huskies for like his whole high school career. And then they didn't have a scholarship for him at the very end. He slips through the cracks. The only school that's there to catch him is Montana State. He's one of the greatest linebackers in the history of the league because he was such a superior talent to the Big Sky Conference level. That hardly happens anymore. For that to happen, the kid has to grow up in Nowheresville, Montana, like Troy Anderson, never go to a camp, and then the Bobcats offer him and he goes there in one day, right? Or, you know, there's been a variety of of, uh, scenarios like this for the Grizz as well. But then on the other side, I think you can get you can get into way more places. Like you're saying, you're you're recruiting uh, web just spreads so much farther, and you have such a higher level of valuation. The pool of talent below those absolute top guys right. that you're not going to get very many of is so much bigger now. Right, and that's why evaluation. And then, of course, I say it all the time. Your development process once That's you right. get the kids on campus in whatever sport, whether it's soccer or football. That's right. Your development process and honestly in soccer a lot of times your tactical awareness too, and what I mean by that is is putting kids in positions where they're able to succeed. Right. Being able to look clear clear headedly. Uh, with a clear gaze at what these players' strengths and weaknesses are. Because like you said, kids aren't falling through the cracks anymore. You're not going to get kids that don't have any weaknesses. Well, right. You're going to get kids that have they're good at some things, they're not good at other things, and putting them in the right position to succeed with their skill set, particularly in soccer where you can play so many different roles sure. depending on where you are on the field. You can set up your team in so many different ways. So important. I, I still maintain, and it's such a great point about soccer, but I think it's a, it's a point that is applicable to pretty much all of the sports that are offered at Montana and Montana State. 
I think that the talent evaluation is pretty good. I think that pretty much everybody that's going to be recruited to play any of the sports that are offered at Montana or Montana State, the vast majority of those kids have the athletic ability to play at that level. So, you know, and there's certainly some that are better than others, but they all have the base. Most have the baseline ability to play at the level. So I think that the most important things in recruiting, soccer or otherwise, should be how does the person fit into the campus community and the community as a whole of Missoula or Bozeman? Are there reasons that they're there at the school other than the sport or the coach? Because those are two things that are always going to be up and down. So are you also there because you like the town? Are you also there because you like the campus? Are you also there because you like school? Or you have a girlfriend or whatever, you know, a boyfriend, whatever it might be. Those are, those are important factors. And then as Andrew said, your ability your ability to develop and your ability to be developed are also uh, key factors as well. Yeah, it's hugely important. You're right. It, it's almost more so on the player than it is on the coaching staff to yeah. be willing to be developed. Um, but th- there is a large part of it that's on the coaching staff, and I think particularly in a sport like soccer, being able and willing to work uh, to develop players individually, right? Yes. Not have a one-size-fits-all plan for saying we get people in and all of our players that come in learn how to do this, but working working with these players on what their strengths and weaknesses are and, and crafting a plan for each of them. You want us now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Like we were talking about last night, why, have the, why has Grizz football had an endless string of linebackers that are all like the same prototype and the same attitude and the same performance level. And they're almost all from Montana. How, how has that happened? It's not a coincidence. It's because they have an excellent developmental model and it particularly applies to young men of a certain uh, physical size that grow up and play at Montana high schools. And then they come to the university of Montana and Bobby Hauke is just a master at that. That, that is you know, for all of the scrutiny that that we and others uh, provide Grizz football, and, and that's just a part of the gig. That's a part of the world. That's a part of uh, how we're always going to do it. We are critical of the Grizz and the Cats because they should have the utmost high expectations. They know that they have unbelievable expectations internally. So that's why you know we we do try to give you the cut and dry of of you know when it's good, it's great. When it's uh, not so good, we try to tell you the truth about that as well. But that's one place where Bobby Houck is unbreakable. Is is just the uh, the ability to develop defensive talent. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that could criticize some of the um, sort of um, insular methods that Grizz football uses for recruiting, but that's one where exactly what we're talking about, finding guys that fit into a program that you can then develop at a high level. That's one thing Coach Houck does unbelievably well. He's going to have great linebackers and safeties, most of them for Montana, forever. Right, but on the on the flip side of the coin, right, it's like why haven't they developed an in-state quarterback or a high school quarterback Man. in – in well, and then, and then we can so go. Oh, and then we can go all the way down the rabbit hole about like half the guys that would have been the next guy. Sure, they get developed in the linebacker. You know what I mean? Like, who are the in-state quarterbacks that are supposed to be those guys? Well, one of them starts at safety. His name's Garrett Graves. One of them's going to be a key guy on special teams. His name's uh, Carson Rostad. Another high school quarterback's wearing number thirty-seven now. Levi Janet Carroll. I mean, I know Janet Carroll wasn't going to be you know the future quarterback of the Grizz, but it is just funny. It's like we always tease about you know. Garrett Graves got thrown in on one punt against Eastern Washington when he was a, a freshman or a sophomore, and he smashes the guy, has one of the special teams' plays of the year, and Coach Houck was like, oh, you're not playing 
he had already gotten moved to receiver. They're like, well, you're not playing offense anymore. You're playing safety. <laughs> so sometimes I just wonder if those guys just get switched uh, too much, too. But I also think it's like the old Jeff Choate saying goes. You get what you emphasize. Like, why is Bobby Houck? Bobby Houck's a safeties coach who is a defensive guy. That's why they always have great linebackers and safeties. Those are the guys they pour all their – I mean, and everybody's putting a lot of time and energy into it, but the head coach's emphasis is usually what the team is good at. Well, that's exactly right. And it goes – I mean, credit to the Grizz talking about being clear-eyed about it. They've done a good job getting transfer quarterbacks if they can't develop those guys. No, and, for and sure. And everybody jokes about, you know, this is the guy who they're bringing in. There's our transfer quarterback for the year. Everybody knows they're going to get one or two of those guys every year. But honestly, to me, that's a mark in their favor because they are being cleared-eyed about the way their development process works and, and where it falls short. Well, and, the, and the, there's been a lot of criticism the last couple of years about the quarterback development uh, at Montana, and we have been a part of that, certainly. But then there's, always, there's also the other side of the coin where – yeah, Bobby Houck is most often brought in transfer quarterbacks. He also once upon a time brought in Craig Oaks and went to the national championship game. He brought in Josh Swagger and went to the final four. So, I mean, he's brought in guys that were really, really good uh, right out the gates. And there's been a lot of great transfer quarterbacks even before Coach Houck's days. I mean, Drew Miller comes to mind, one of the great quarterbacks in Grizz history. So uh, there's a lot of ways to uh, to go about assembling it. No one's now ESPN Radio. Uh what is the future in Boston? I think because the superstars for the Celtics are so young, I don't know if anybody's actually contemplated that question yet. Of course the Boston podcast guys are having a meltdown, but we shall discuss that and other NBA musings, plus give you some thoughts on tonight's game. Can the Lakers make it last one more game? We'll see. NBA playoffs talk next. Keep it right here. is Now, ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice, and that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days, and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. It's the one is now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. So I thought of a new game we could play, Andrew. I have all these cool baseball historical books, and uh, I was thinking, like, I got these super teams books. This is a baseball super teams. I remember when I first was, I must have been 9 or 10 years old, and I first discovered that it was okay to read in the bath. So I would read, I would take baths and read, and I dropped the book in the bath, so it's just completely waterlogged. But I still have this book. I cannot believe it's still in, in full tact. Anyways, not about uh, my childhood bathing habits. Rather, uh, we could just open up the book and then uh, 
see what we know about the teams. The 1976 Cincinnati Reds. It's New Orleans Now, ESPN Radio, uh, SWX by Tana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Baseball Super Teams by Bill Gutman is the book. Uh, this is, let's see when the copyright on this is. This is copyright, uh, let's see, 1992. Um, so a compilation. Uh, yeah, so the game would just be, uh, who? what can we say about the 76 Reds? You know, Pete Rose, Johnny Bench, the big red machine. There you go. So maybe we'll implement that a little later on. I just thought this was funny that I found this book, and it's still somehow intact. Would you know anything about the Reds, the 1976 Reds? You're a baseball historian type of guy. Certainly, yeah. Pete Rose, Joe Morgan, uh, Johnny Bench, Dave Concepcion at shortstop. Oh, yeah, good uh, one. Certainly probably the great team of that decade, right? Because they yes. were together for a number of years uh, with that core. Yes. And I know they won multiple championships. That's right. Did uh, you say Joe Morgan? He was a part of that team, Joe too. Morgan, yeah, yeah. And Joe Morgan, in fact, actually, you know, Pete Rose gets a lot of the headlines from that team. Sure. Uh, Joe Morgan was really like the, the heart and soul and the best player of that team. Joe Morgan has one of the most underappreciated careers in baseball history. I mean, Joe Morgan is certainly one of the great second basemen in baseball history. Maybe still, I mean, the greatest? I mean, he was an incredible player. I, I he's was, a great player. He's yeah. in the argument for me. He certainly is. I mean, statistically, Roberto Alomar is certainly one of, but Roberto Alomar is also so polarizing for a variety of different reasons. Rogers Hornsby is probably in the, the conversation dating back all the way to like the 20s and the 30s. I'm trying to think of other all-time great second basemen. Jeff Kent probably has numbers that are there, but he's also not nearly as revered as some uh, of his contemporaries. Yeah, second base is an interesting position because it's, uh, you know, it used to be you'd put the great hitters at second base, like yeah. Rogers Hornsby, right. uh, Nap Lajoui back in the 1910s, 1920s, and then it turned, turned into sort of a fielding position, and that's why you had guys like Bill Mazeroski yes. were considered some of the great second basemen as we got into it when people realized how important it was to be able to turn the double play. But, I mean, Joe Morgan is a guy, he, he didn't hit for a super high average, but he walked a ton. He hit a lot of home runs. He stole a ton of bases and, and was basically never thrown out on the base pass. Uh, and, he, and he was a great defender. So just a really all-around great player. Nuwana's now ESPN Radio. The NBA playoffs rolls on. I've been having the greatest time following the playoffs. And now I'm a little disappointed. I'm very eager for the NBA Finals to start because I don't really know what can be accomplished in either of the conference finals other than what seems to be inevitable. The... Los Angeles Lakers went into Denver and emptied the tank two games in a row and didn't win either game. Incredible effort by the Nuggets to, to stave off the Lakers' upset bids uh, in the Mile High City. Then, in the game that I was just so surefire that the Lakers were going to win, I thought the one game the Lakers were going to for sure certainly win in the Western Conference Finals was Game 3. I, I said on this show that I thought the Nuggets would win this series. I thought that the Nuggets would win this series uh in pretty much every scenario, the only way I thought the Lakers could win is if they stole one of the first two games in Denver and then ripped off uh, multiple wins in L.A. But I, I didn't think the Lakers would win if the series went to seven. Well, I don't know if it's going to have any chance to go to seven. I don't even know if it's going to go to five because after Denver went into L.A. and had, I mean, truly, it, it, with a, a franchise like the Nuggets who've been okay but do not have any sort of rich History really. This is their fifth conference finals ever. They've never been to the NBA finals. You'd have to argue that that win in LA over the weekend is one of the great wins in the history of Denver Nuggets basketball, certainly. 
So that series seems as if it's all but over. But game four is tonight. Can the Lakers extend it? We'll come back to that in just a minute. But in probably an even more surprising result, I was not surprised that the the Heat went into Boston and stole game one. I was incredibly surprised they went into Boston and stole game two. And then last night, oh, man. What what would I think my old man would call that a bare bottom spanking? The the Miami Heat absolutely destroyed the Celtics, and it wasn't just the end result. It wasn't just the twenty seven point win or whatever it was. It, it was first how it went down. I mean, Kevin Love's out, Tyler Hero's out, Kyle Lowry is is certainly regressed uh, as a once great player who's now just okay. Duncan Robinson got a huge contract and basically no-showed the season for the Heat. Uh, a month ago, we were talking about how pathetic the Heat were, limping into the play-in game, uh, how it might be over for the Heat, it, just in terms of this core, and, and not so fast. They have turned the whole thing around. It's been so impressive to watch. Jimmy Butler is certainly the alpha in the Eastern Conference right now. But more than that, all the headlines coming out of this game are partially about the Heat, but they're mostly about the Celtics because last night, even though the Heat appear to be shorthanded based on their roster, even though they're playing a bunch of undrafted guys, which is sort of this omnipresent narrative around this franchise, it doesn't matter. They absolutely destroyed the Celtics, and I thought the Celtics looked completely lost. I thought they looked completely like they submitted to, to the Heat, and, you know, then you get to the post-game press conference and it just it seems like it was just a moratorium already. It seems like they they don't even care that there's another game left. I mean, it was Joe Mazzulla, super defensive. Jalen Brown, super defensive. Jason Tatum, I don't even know if he had a press conference. He's nowhere to be found. I, I just thought impressive effort by the Heat, but also the, the Celtics just straight rolled over and died. Yeah, Joe Mazzulla didn't even bother to, to, like, come up with any potential reasons as to why they were getting run out of the building so bad in the, in the post-game press conference. He basically just said, that was on me, and, and didn't elaborate beyond that. I get it a little bit, Coulter. That would have been incredibly demoralizing. No, for sure. Just because, I mean, Gabe well, Vincent like maybe, and maybe, Duncan uh, Robinson... Gabe Vincent's been a nice piece. When Duncan Robinson, who seriously hasn't contributed in a meaningful way in four months, is just out of his mind hitting every possible three, it was demoralizing. It's still, and it's tough. I mean, they did that for three straight quarters. That has to be so difficult to play against. And, you know, the Celtics weren't able to buy a shot on the other end. And it's just like, I can see that steamrolling on you and everything. But, like, it is the Eastern Conference Finals. Right. You are still potentially four games away. For I mean, sure. I mean, you're down 2-0. Well, and that's you're the, okay. That's the whole thing, too, is... When you're down 15, you got to keep hanging on. You, you have can't to. just let them push it to 40. I mean, they were running them straight out of the gym at one point. If you if you stay in it, though, the math says that Duncan Robinson and Gabe Vincent and these guys are, and Caleb Martin are going to stop hitting shots. Well, they're, and that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to start hitting some. That, that's right. And, and then if you don't, you just roll over and die, and all of a sudden you're just getting run out of the building. I mean. My girlfriend looks at the TV. She's like, this is a conference finals professional basketball game, and this is over. Like, why are we even watching this? I'm like, yeah, we, we should just turn it off because it's just it was just over. Unbelievable. Tatum and Brown didn't play the entire fourth quarter because it was so bad by the end of the third. Didn't Just didn't play. 
I, you cannot go out like that. And I mean, this is a team we've talked about it so much. Their narrative. Yeah. They have been on an upswing. They've sort of been talked about for numerous seasons as this is the next contender in the East. Yeah. This is the year that it was setting up for them. You go in and. Miami knocks off Milwaukee for you, and then you go in and give them some credit. Great performance in Game 7 in Philadelphia. Or oh, I guess sure. it was in for Boston, sure. but against Philadelphia. Yeah. To knock off who was supposed to be the other contender in the Eastern Conference. You think, okay, this is a team that's been talked about as a contender for you know half a decade now. This is the year for them. It's setting up. They knock off one of their biggest rivals. It looks like they've, they've you know gotten over the hump. But the enduring lesson that the Miami Heat are teaching to everybody is you still got to take it. It's not just going to be there on a platter for you because the Miami Heat are not going to give it to you. And last, you know, last night it seemed like the Boston Celtics couldn't handle that reality. Will there be Game 5s? We shall analyze Game 4s against the spread presented by Sportsbet Montana and maybe a couple more thoughts on what exactly is the future of this Boston Celtics core? More NBA talk on the other side. Keep it right here. Nuwana's Now, ESPN Radio. At Jewelry Design Center, they can make anything you desire. We have branded jewelry that you'll see across the world and the country. And you have full access to our full manufacturing shop. You can look in the case. You don't have to start out designing something. You can see anything that we have in the case that customize it for your personal experience. Jewelry Design Center, now open in Missoula at 2501 Brook Street, across from the Montana Club. Jewelry Design Center, your jeweler for life. ESPN Radio Missoula. Last summer, I made a playlist of all my favorite songs of all the the bands that I went to live last summer. And somehow, when I was making the show today, I stumbled upon all of that. Uh, I stumbled upon that playlist. So that's what we're listening to is songs from last summer, basically my summer 2022 playlist. A watch house for you. Some people are a little bit confused. Watch House used to be Mandolin Orange. It's the same band. They changed names. I don't know why. They're still so good live. If you can see them, you should definitely check it out. Uh, Watch House and the Punch Brothers, one of my favorite shows out there at the Kettle House Amphitheater last summer. Nuwana's Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in here on your Monday. Hope you're having a great start to the week. Missed anything in today's show, you certainly can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Podcast proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store, and the MSU Bookstore. Sports Bet Montana, proud presenter of our NBA segments pretty much daily here on Nuanas Now. Sports Bet Montana has kiosks all around the state of Montana. You can find locations by visiting the Sports Bet Montana website and clicking on locations or by downloading the Sports Bet Montana app. Tonight, Western Conference Finals, the Lakers somehow, someway are favored. It's in L.A., uh, but they're three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, Andrew and I walked downtown on Saturday, and uh, I spent at least half the walk bragging about all my NBA playoff success, only to then get in the machine, bet it all on the Lakers, and uh, Andrew's the the uh, the smart one, and he puts some, some coins on the Nuggets. Uh, 
what what do you think of tonight? I, I, I just put this on. I just tweeted this. I thought LeBron James looked completely despondent after game three. I wouldn't be surprised if he's already got his summer vacation to the French Riviera booked. And uh, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Nuggets just roll the Lakers tonight. But I'm staying away from picking this minus three and a half or plus three and a half. I'm just going to bet the total on this one tonight because uh, I don't know. Maybe the Lakers find life. What do you think? Is, is there going to be a game five or is this going to be uh, get out the brooms for the Nuggets? Yeah, I'm not touching this one either. I think that there's a, a, a very real possibility that game three really broke the Lakers. I mean, they'd been hanging around for game games one and two. Both of those games were really close. But then they bring a, they come back to the Staples Center or whatever it is they're calling it now. Uh, and, and the Nuggets sort of snatched their soul in game three. That game was not very close at the end there. Uh, so maybe it is just, okay, we're packing it up. We're going on vacation for the summer. That's it. That's over. I know the Nuggets have been saying sort of the right things about wanting to, to stay on their throats, to finish it tonight, to not let them even have a chance of getting back in this series. Well, they're not getting back in this series, right? No, but this is what the Nuggets are saying to the media. I'm just saying they're saying the right things. Here's my one thing for tonight, though, and this is the main reason I'm not touching it. If you think that the NBA and that Adam Silver have their finger on the scales at all, period. And I'm not talking about <laughs> yeah, yeah. fixing games here. I'm totally. not talking about you know rigging the referees' calls. But if I'm, I'm just saying, if you have any conspiracy theory bone in your body that says the NBA can influence these games, I would be really, really wary because I think they would be doing it tonight. And not to get the Lakers back in this series. No, they just need more games on TV. The NBA is staring at about... Two weeks before the finals That's start. the whole thing. They, it, th- this was not supposed to happen. The conference finals were not supposed to be sweeps on either side, no matter what teams are in it. Like, the NBA finals is not for, like, a month. It's already scheduled. They're not moving those games I, up. I, I literally, here's how silly I am. But also, it's going to be fun, so I'm excited for it. But I booked a trip to, to Milwaukee, first and foremost, to see my, my best one of my best friends who lives there. But also, because I was just so dead set that the Bucks were going to be uh, in in the finals, and I was going to try to just save all my money and go watch one Bucks finals game. Not so much. <laughs> Bucks were out in the first round thanks to Jimmy Butler and the Heat. But I, I, the, the point of me telling that story is that the, the, the trip's booked for mid-June. So, you know, it's only May 22nd. We are weeks away from the NBA finals. So, uh, a good point. Uh, Nuwana's now ESPN Radio. I'd say stay away from the result. Only bet the total if you got to get some action tonight for the uh, Lakers and the um, Nuggets. How about the um, Celtics uh, heat, though? I mean, you talk about despondent. Um, I mean, if and when the Celtics lose this series, but certainly if and when the Celtics get swept, Joe Mazzulla is getting fired. And I think that's going to be the overwhelming storyline first and foremost. But my question for you, Andrew, is how much of this is coaching? It was Ime, This Celtics team with this core, with Jason, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they've been to the conference finals four out of the last five years. Since 2018, this is their fourth conference finals, but the only time they made it to the finals was with Ime Udoka, and they lost to an all-time great Warriors team. Is that the defining factor? Do you need a tough guy on the sidelines to get guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to be Eastern Conference champions? Well, I think they need something better than what they've got right now. I'm not sure that, that Ime Udoka is... I mean, the take around here, and this is a Bill Simmons take originally, is that there's really only a handful of coaches in the NBA who really matter every year in terms of getting something more out of their team than what their talent says that they can get. Is Ime Udoka one of those coaches? Maybe. 
I, I don't know. I just definitely I don't think that Joe Mazzula is it. No. I think that he's he's certainly going to be fired and he's going to be scapegoated for, for, sure. for what happens here. Uh, I think that is that fair or not? Because what an impossible situation to take over. Yeah, but just going out like the way that they are looking. Yeah, and I mentioned this last night. If the Lakers were playing the Heat, Duncan Robinson would not be on the floor. No, that's right. That's because right. that's right. They would be targeting him. They just figure out a way to target him and play him off the floor. This is why the NBA is so sweet, people. Because we thought that the number one cheat code you can have is big wings who can shoot and switch. That's what Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are. Now, the the narrative of what's the next thing in basketball, it changes so often. Now, the next big thing is what's going on in the Western Conference Finals. LeBron James and Nikola Jokic hunting the shooters squarely off the floor and having basically like a, a point-forward point guard who's just going to just out-execute you and exploit all the matchups. Celtics are, yeah, Celtics didn't do that at all. Joe Mazzulla is going to take the fall for this. Now, is that going to that's going to dominate the news? Is that going to obscure some things maybe going on with that roster construction? Maybe. We got the Western Conference Finals tonight on yeah. the radio? Yeah, coming up right we after do. this. Game uh, four of the Western Conference Finals between the Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles Lakers. We got another jam-packed show for you tomorrow. We'll see you at 4 p.m. Thanks for being here today. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.